0: This is episode 383 of the AWS podcast, released on August 9th, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. So I'm here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined by a very special guest to talk a bit of hardware today. I'm joined by Jeff Underhill, who's a principal business development manager here at the EC2 team. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Our pleasure. So uh, we're going to talk about something pretty cool today. I know that when it was announced, I got excited about it. It's uh, something called Adibus Graviton. And specifically, we're going to talk about the Adibus Graviton 2. And so let's start with what is it and why should customers care about it?
0: Sure. So Graviton2 is the name for an AWS in-house developed processor. So people familiar with processors today are probably familiar with the terms Intel, AMD as manufacturers, Xeon and Epic as brands. AWS in this case is the processor vendor and Graviton is the brand of the processor. So this is really an extension of something that AWS has been doing for years and that is investing in purpose-built chips to increase the efficiency and security of our service offerings. So one example of that that's been around for a number of years now is the Nitro system. So this is a combination of dedicated hardware, uh, a security chip, and then a a hypervisor. And this allows us collectively, those those technologies, they allow us to offer a secure cloud platform and virtualized instance performance that's pretty much indistinguishable from bare metal. So we're innovating on behalf of our customers all the way down to custom in-house design chips. So Graviton is really an extension of that. The Nitro platform itself allows us to offer a broad array of EC2 instance types. And Graviton2 is a processor that powers the sixth generation of our C, M and R instance families.
1: And so how does it compare to the first generation? Cause we're on, we're on number two now. So it's always nice to look back and say, well, what's changed since then?
0: Yeah, so we introduced the first generation at reInvent at the end of 2018 and its goal in life was really to provide choice. So, Amazon EC2 offers a broad and deep array of EC2 instances to customers to make sure they can pick the right tool for the right job. The first generation Graviton allowed them to lower the cost for scale out type workloads. As customers experience that, they they wanted to run a broader array of workloads, they wanted more capable instances. So Graviton2 really takes that to the next level and kind of dials it up to 11, if you will. And it adds to the core count, so it's got four times the number of cores, the caches are twice as large, it has 5x uh, the amount of memory, uh, sorry, the memory bandwidth, Uh, and overall that provides a 7x better overall performance versus the first generation. So that allows us to have instance sizes up to 64 vCPUs. Uh, we can support up to half a terabyte of memory on the uh, memory optimized instances. It's got up to 25 gigabits of network bandwidth and 19 gigabits of EBS storage bandwidth. And so this allows us to address a much broader range of uh, use cases than we were able to do with the first generation. And fundamentally, these are all about providing our customers with increased performance, lower cost, so they offer the best price performance within their general purpose, compute-optimized and memory-optimized families.
1: And I, th- I think it's important there, you know, with the second generation, we've we've changed the naming convention to more reflect what it's about, which is giving you choice of your CPU type within those those EC2 families. So whereas the first generation, we had the A1, so that was kind of its own category. Now it's really part Correct. of the, the MC and R. So maybe help us, give us the secret decoder ring on that one.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's funny because that's a question we get quite often, right? It's like the first gen was A1. Why isn't this one A2? So with the first generation AWS Graviton, it it had a fairly narrowly defined purpose in life, right? Offer cost optimization for scale-out workloads. And it was a great part, and we have a ton of customers that are using it and they've been able to save money. But with Graviton 2, this significant leap forward in capabilities is reflected by the very fact that we're leading our sixth generation of instance families with it. And so the standard family name for general purpose is M today. So you have M5, uh, our compute optimized family is C, you have C5, and then we have memory optimized, which is R5 today. So the decoder ring here is essentially M is still general purpose, six, sixth generation of instance family. And then the G designator on the end there is to indicate that it's the Graviton2. And so with that, you end up with essentially M6G, C6G for compute optimized, and then R6G for the memory optimized.
1: It makes it it a lot easier to kind of differentiate and see where they fit. Now, speaking of where they fit, how do these compare to the x86-based instances offered? Because uh, there are one or two of those as well. Uh, One or
0: two, yeah. (laughs) Um, So fundamentally, the you know, the EC2 portfolio is, is broad and deep by design, right? The the idea there is to ensure that we have choices for our customers and we can bring pretty much any workload and run it efficiently in the cloud. So there's a, a lot of x86-based instances I, I mentioned before, Intel and AMD. Um, this provides additional options for customers. So it's innovation specifically by AWS targeted from years of running cloud-based workloads and optimizing specifically to that, right? So, you know, there's a lot of x86 instances that's not gonna change anytime soon, but there's a whole array of workloads. If you're looking at Linux and open source-based workloads, they're easily um, portable between different architectures. And then with the uh, Graviton2 processor and the specifications that we have there, we can offer up to 40% better price performance for our customers again, where there's match for those workloads, right? You're not going to run everything on Graviton2, but when you can, there's significant performance and price benefits to be had.
1: So speaking of some of those performance benefits, let's let's geek out a bit. Let's talk numbers. Uh, What are some benchmarks you can share, some third-party testing? When when the rubber hits the road, what does Graviton2 do?
0: Sure. Yeah, so we... Published some benchmarks ourselves at reInvent 2019, when we announced the Graviton2 processor itself. Uh, those are out there in various articles, but just to quickly summarize. So, uh, spec in 2017, which is an industry benchmark that runs a, a whole pile of integer-based workloads. Uh, Graviton2 is able to demonstrate 44% better performance per vCPU for that benchmark. There's a complementary benchmark called SpecFP, which uh, the FP there is essentially floating point, and Graviton2 there delivers 25% better floating point performance. We also looked at a couple of real world workloads, right? Because benchmarks are great, but they tend to be uh, a directional indicator or that they're the proxies for real workloads. So we looked at Nginx, which is a popular load balancing tool and web server. There we were able to see 24% better load balance and performance. And then Memcached, which is a a kind of an in-memory caching um, solution, open source software. And there we saw 43% better performance, but also lower latency on those access uh accesses sorry relative to x86 uh a couple of other examples were Meteor encoding for h264 video uh, we've got uh some data out there about ml inference on these processes too and arm limited themselves have done some uh eda performance analysis where they saw up to 50 percent better price performance for uh eda tools now of course that that's great don't just take our word for it, right? There's third-party benchmarks out there, so a lot of people might be familiar with anantech uh, They they're well known for doing pretty deep technical articles and running benchmarks and publishing their results. Uh, so they got access to our M6G instance, and they went off and did their own analysis and put out, a, I think it's about a 10-page article, something like that. Uh, all their own benchmarks, completely, you know, up to them what they did with it. They fundamentally concluded that, you know, the, the price performance of Graviton 2, this is the real deal. This is this is compelling. But again, I do want to just kind of circle back and say, hey, you know, benchmarks do only tell part of that story as we engage with customers. They're interested in benchmarks to sort of get a bit of a general feeling. Where does Graviton two fit in? you kind of against what I use today, but then ultimately the rubber meets the road when people test their own workloads, right? And that that's ultimately what want to get to is, is people really seeing the value proposition of Graviton2 in the real world.
1: Exactly. And I, th- I think, the the like I said, the purpose of those benchmarks is to know whether it's worth getting out of bed for. Like, is it worth you know doing the work to do some testing, grab grab an instance, test it up? Now, the nice thing is the, the friction is pretty low to get the instance, but there's a little bit of work you've got to do to get it up and running. So knowing that you've got the potential for you know, sort of 20, 30, 40, 50% better price performance that's definitely worth getting out of bed for and doing some testing. So if we contextualize this in terms of the, the types of workloads that customers might want to run on, on the AWS Graviton2-based EC2 instances, what fits well?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great question because you, you know, as we engage with customers, we get the same thing, right? It's like, hey, hang on a second here. Today here, you right, You set up to 40% better price performance. The next thing, of course, is, okay, now where am I going to focus my efforts? Which which teams, which workload should I be looking at first? So the short answer here is pretty much any Linux-based workload. Uh, if you're using predominantly open-source software, you're going to have a, a pretty easy transition. Uh, we've got some customer reference examples that we can talk about there. That's it. You know, we've got a couple of different flavors of Graviton 2 instances as well: the 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 M, the C, and the R, as I mentioned. So, you know, which ones of these fit where? So to give you a couple of really specific examples, let's look at Java. So Java is a programming language, it's been around for you a know, good number of years, uh, very mature, continues to evolve. There's a ton of Java workloads out there. So if you go and look on the Graviton page and look at our customer testimonials and, and actually just do a quick search on that page for Java, there's a handful of customers that, you know, had a fairly easy transition experience because it's Java, so it, it's highly portable. And so, for example, Netflix tested the M6g in the, uh, instances, and on a Java benchmark, they saw up to 50% improvement versus the M5 instances. Uh, there's a company called Hotel Beds, which is uh, the world's leading bed bank. They have Java 11 and Spring Boot 2, which is kind of an application framework that lives on top of Java. They observed up to 43% better price performance versus their current implementation. Uh, Mobius space out of China had a Java-based containerized back-end service that they tested. They saw 40% better performance and 20% lower cost. So there's other examples up there too, but, but languages like Java, PHP, Python, Node.js, they're very portable. A lot of customers that use those are typically focused on developer productivity. Uh, they can move pretty quickly and easily.
1: So there's some pretty pretty big numbers there, and they, but they tend to be sort of more on the on the front end and app processing side. What about in terms of caching or data stores? Are there any numbers you can share on that side?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, that's a common workload too. Uh, with all the data flying around, you know, people have got to be able to cache and store this stuff and access it efficiently. So I mentioned uh, as part of the performance data that we talked about earlier, Memcached, but there's other examples here. So a company called EQL has a software product called KeyDB, and this is a Redis compatible store. They observed up to 65% higher performance and lower cost by running on the uh, M6G instances. Cassandra, which is another open source memory store, uh, offers 35% higher performance. And depending on the instance type you're comparing it to, between 10 and 20% lower cost. And then, as part of the What's New post, when we uh, actually launched the M6G as generally available, our own Elasticash team, so we have an Elasticash service, uh, they were able to deliver up to 50% throughput using the M6G instances versus M5 for their uh, Redis workload. So these are super popular workloads, and, and basically anybody that's running Memcached, Cassandra, Redis, TDB, uh, these, these are workloads that customers are going to want to check out on Graviton 2 because it's a pretty seamless transition, and you've got that performance and price benefit. Yeah, I think we're only at the beginning of discovering which which applications
1: fit. Because I know when I was uh, when I was watching that yeah. announcement, my first thought went to high performance compute. It's like, well, hello, here's something that might be useful there. So, it, are you seeing the sort of a, a pickup on the on the C6 family as well?
0: So, M6G was the first part that we had, and we ran a preview on that. So, customers are kind of further along on their journey on M6G. So it's just been accessible for longer, right? But yeah, essentially, C6G dials that ratio of compute and memory. More in the compute direction, that allows people who maybe can't use the full memory footprint to have a more cost-effective, but compute-optimized experience. And then R6G kind of dials that the other direction by adding memory. So if, if people are you're running out of memory before they can take advantage of all the compute performance, they're uh, uh, you know they they've got these options there where they can get more memory. But your point about high-performance compute—that's a really important point here, because with the first generation Graviton, it was focused primarily on cost savings. Graviton 2 is absolutely about increasing performance, reducing cost, and that combination of offering the best price performance within those specific families.
1: And so moving on from sort of all, all the, the sweetness and light and what it's good for, one of the, the things in my experience of being a good architect is knowing what not to use things for <laughs> and
0: so as much yep.
1: as knowing where, to, where something fits it's, it's helping you filter out where things don't fit. So where, which workloads aren't a great fit at the moment for Graviton2 based instances? Yeah. And,
0: and you know, Again, great question, right? If you're going to adopt it, you want to know, this is all good. I, I hear what you're saying, but where shouldn't I use it? So it, it does address a broad array and that's why Graviton2 is part of the general purpose family. That said, there is no Microsoft Windows support today. So you know, if your focus is on Windows workloads, not a good candidate. That said, .NET, so there's, there's .NET Core that runs on top of Linux and we have seen customers uh, looking at that and actually transitioning uh, .NET workloads and optimizing. Uh, if you've got, legacy enterprise applications big monolithic you know pieces of software that have been around for decades running on x86 maybe oracle databases sap those are just not a good fit there's no versions of those that exist that are ported to the arm architecture today um, so you're not going to want to run those on graviton 2. we don't have GPU instances available today like we do on the x86 side. So if there's a workload that specifically needs a GPU for either rendering of, of graphics or GPGPU compute, that's something we just don't have at this time. And so that that's a, not something you're gonna be looking for. And then um, there are times when you may have an architectural dependency, right? So the x86 instruction set has been around for decades. It's evolved over years. Uh, current generation processes like Intel have something called AVX 512, which is a wide uh, vector floating point engine. Uh, so if you've spent a bunch of time hand coding, tuning software specific to micro architectural features, uh, which is not that common, but if you did, you know, th- th- that means there's work there. If you were to transition that, so that's something you're probably gonna wanna leave to. Further down the line, there's definitely lower hanging fruit in the immediate term, for sure.
1: And what about containers? You know, how do they fit into this? Are they are they good? Not good? Need to think about them. Give us the the read on that one.
0: Yeah, so um, they're definitely good. Containerized applications, you know, the, this is kind of a modern way of programming. They're modern methodologies, if you will. Uh, People building containerized apps tend to be Cloud-native, Cloud-first, they use modern programming techniques and programming languages. That means that they're a good fit because latest generations of compilers and runtimes have good support for ARM and specifically the Graviton2 processor. It also means that they've architected their applications in a way where a lot of the time they're Microservices, or they've been deconstructed from these large monolithic apps, that broken down into, you know, smaller services that are operating largely independent of each other. So you can bite off portions of your workload that might be a good immediate-term fix. So it helps you kind of tackle it in a bite-sized chunk, if you will. And the ARM architecture has been around for years. So uh, Docker and the majority of Docker official images now exist for ARM. Uh, ECS, our own managed uh, container service, has been available for ARM since we GA'd actually the first generation uh, Graviton. Uh, EKS is currently in preview and we're working towards getting that as a, a GA. So EKS is our Kubernetes version of that managed container service. And then ECR is our container registry, And I want to spend just a second on this because this is kind of an important point. Mm. Historically, people have been operating with kind of a a homogeneous environment where maybe they only have x86. Now you're bringing ARM into the mix. And so the container ecosystem and the, the container community have actually already planned for this, and they have mechanisms built into how you build container images that allow you to build something called a multi-arch or multi-architecture image, where you actually have support for ARM and x86 built into that image. And then when you pull that image down to the EC2 instance, it knows where that originated from, and if it's ARM, you get the ARM image, if it's x86, you get the x86 image. So there's some tools out there that allow you to Easily support multiple architectures, and then that makes your kind of your your um, scripts and everything that provision your environment and actually spin up your container environments much smoother because you don't have to individually designate the target architecture. It just kind of gets figured out for you. So yeah, containers is a a great a great way to look at and to uh, adopt Graviton too.
1: And so you mentioned it was in in preview. People have seen the the first generation. Now that we've sort of had Graviton2 out for a little while. What's the what's the customer experience been like? Because really, that's where the proof is in the pudding.
0: Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, we've been really excited by the, the results we've seen, right? Even through the preview, uh, people were coming back to us. They were validating our value proposition. Sure, we had some paper cuts along the way where some people were like, hey, I use this and it doesn't exist for Arm yet or I had to build something from source. But as a general rule, that's been a pretty light investment on their part given the return on that investment. So a specific example is honeycomb.io. So they're a customer that offers uh, observability solution. So you integrate it into your specific software, they monitor your uh, solutions at scale and help you identify and resolve performance and, and issues in your application. So uh, one of their SREs decided to take it on herself to uh, evaluate Graviton2. So I'll do this as kind of a background project Um, Her name's Liz Fong, she's a a SRE and she she invested about 15 hours total over a two-week duration, right? So it's like, I'm going to take a bit of time here and there and and take a look at this Graviton2 thing. And after spending uh, 15 hours to address a couple of software items, uh, they were able to adopt Graviton2 into their environment. It reduced the number of EC2 instances they had to run for their ingest fleet by 30%. And those instances are 10% lower cost each. So when you look at that as a, a kind of a 15-hour-ish investment uh, to reduce the cost of that particular portion of your workload uh, and in, increase performance so you can reduce the number of instances, that, that's a pretty significant ROI. Time
1: well spent for, like you say, an, an experiment where you're not sure what the outcome might be, but there's a, there's a big payoff if you if you get it right.
0: Exactly. And, and you know, the another interesting thing, so obviously we reach out to customers, we try to understand how they're using their products, get feedback on the experience that they're having. And in some cases, it's actually difficult to get those conversations with customers. And the reason being, um, they're like, well, it kind of just works. I don't really have anything to tell you. And I always respond to them, I'm like, that's beautiful. That's That's exactly what I want to hear. And that's the kind of feedback, right? So yeah, there's been instances where people have just seamlessly adopted them and they've just come back and said, hey... We move this and here's what we're observing. We've got examples on our website. So, you, you know, there's the customer and partner testimonials up there on the, the Graviton website already. And what, is, what are the OSs and, and software that
1: sort of is is just ready to go? Like it's, it's going to work, you know, it works. Um, give us a, a little summary there.
0: Sure. Yeah. So um, back to my point earlier about Arm being in existence for, you know, a, a good number of years. Um, Lots of those systems are out there running Linux, not necessarily in the the cloud and server world, that's something new, but the full complement of Linux distributions that people typically use in EC2 are available today. So you have Amazon Linux 2, Red Hat, Enterprise Linux, both uh, 7.x and RHEL 8, Uh, SUSE, so SUSE Linux Enterprise Server, I think 15 is the current version that's available today, community distributions such as Debian and Fedora. And then uh, not to forget is the FreeBSD and NetBSD community. I get told off because sometimes we lump them with Linux and they're not Linux distributions, but uh, both (laughs) FreeBSD and NetBSD uh, exist and you'll get package parity with uh, x86 today. Uh, If you extend that out beyond just the operating systems, so the ARM architecture itself is really well supported in uh, compilers and language runtimes. So, mentioned earlier, there's tons of Java out there. You've got OpenJDK, you've got Corretto, which is Amazon's own distribution of OpenJDK. Uh, PHP, Python, Node.js, those are all very uh, uh, portable languages that are easy to transition. And then even if you've got compiled codes, so C and C++ and Golang, uh, the ARM architecture has been pretty well supported in those uh, environments for a number of years. And we've actually published a get and started guide up on GitHub that, We'll provide people with pointers on compiler flags, uh, known good versions of PHP where we know there's been optimizations that have landed uh, that give you upside on Graviton 2 and things like that. So it's, uh, it's a pretty good complement of open source-based technologies and OSs.
1: And you mentioned some of those paper cuts that customers sometimes come across. What are some of those hurdles that you th- you think some customers might have in terms of adopting some of these Graviton two based instances, and in particular, is rewriting code going to be normal or or not normal?
0: Yeah, I mean the the reality is is it depends. So there's there's the vast majority of things are just going to work. Um, there are situations. So if you stick to you know the Linux kernel and popular open source uh, applications, tools, etc., you're pretty much going to be covered. That said, if you're using third-party repositories for some libraries or packages, what you might find is that the x86 artifacts are already pre-built as binaries and distributed there, and they may not already exist for ARM. And so what happens is when you're installing your software, the OS and the package manager is trying to resolve these dependencies, looks for an ARM binary and says, oh, I didn't find one. So then it pulls down the source and it builds it for you. Now, the good news is that's a build time only, Uh, delay, right? Because it's got to pull down and build that source, and then now you've got that binary artifact. We're busy working with communities, working with that customer base to uh, address those situations so that pre-built binaries do exist, and that'll be, it'll significantly reduce the number of times where you have to actually build from source. Those are the most common type situations, Um, but yeah, like I say, most SREs or development engineers work their way through a couple of these things and in a a pretty modest amount of time they're up and running and and able to get some good data out of Graviton2. And so Jeff, which regions are the Graviton2-based
1: instances available for customers?
0: Yeah, so Graviton2 is generally available. We've launched it into six regions today. So these include US East, so both North Virginia and Ohio, US West in Oregon, uh, in Europe which uh, we have uh, both Frankfurt and Ireland. And then Asia Pacific, we're in Tokyo today.
1: And what about from a pricing perspective? Because I think it's intriguing that this already provides, in in many cases, a significant price performance benefit. But we're huge fans of spot instances on the podcast. We go on about them all the time because we love saving our customers money. Um, can I get these in the, in the spot instance form?
0: Absolutely, yeah. So Graviton2, you're right. So it already saves money. And then... You know, AWS offers the customers various pricing mechanisms to kind of meet their particular business goals. So you've got on demand, so you just want to spin up instances whenever you need them, uh, reserved instances, which when you know you've got capacity requirements and it's fairly constant, you can make commitments and they're boring. I get your significant discounts on your prices spot. So that's basically accessing spare capacity at EC2 at a heavily discounted rate. So spot is also available. And then last year we also introduced savings plans, uh, which is kind of another form where, Gives customers a little bit more flexibility if they know they're going to use a, a bunch of capacity, uh, they can set up a savings plan and then they get uh, deep discounts on that as well. But it gives them a little more flexibility than they may have with certain reserved instance models, and all of those are available for purchasing Graviton two today.
1: So, how, what's the best way to get started? If if I'm sort of looking at this, going well, this this sounds pretty cool. Um, a, how do I get started? And B, if I've got questions or, or need a little bit of help, how do I how do I get that?
0: Sure. Yeah. So Graviton2 instances are generally available today. So that means anybody with an AWS account, you can just go into the console today, uh, pick the OS flavor, you know, your favorite Linux variant. And the one key thing there to look for is there's a little radio button that basically selects between architectures. So you'll see a 64 bit arm. You select that, you can click launch. And on the next page you will be presented with a list of Graviton2 instances. If you're using the command line interface and have scripts, just make sure you know you're picking the EC2 instance type, so an M6g dot whatever size, C6g, R6g, and then that you're picking an army that is built for the 64-bit ARM architecture. So all those operating systems I mentioned earlier, armies exist. There's a specific army ID in the region, so you just want to make sure that you're uh, tagging the right army ID as you launch things. But I mean that's the beauty of the cloud, right? So this this it's there. It's, it, you don't have to order something and wait for it to show up. You can just go in. You can spin one of these up. Within minutes, you're playing with it, and then you can take it for a spin and see what it does for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, you also asked about help. If I get stuck, yeah. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> yeah, if you get stuck. So, so the, another key part of this is we've worked hard to make sure that the Graviton journey and experience is just like any other EC2 instance, right? So the Graviton2 instances should behave exactly the same. So the good thing is there, there's all this EC2 knowledge and experience that exists and documentation, that all applies here, right? So there are some differences, I mentioned the ARM architecture versus x86, but at least for getting up and running and running in a Linux environment, that stuff's all pretty much transparent. So take advantage of those resources. We do have this Graviton get it started guide that's posted up on GitHub, so that's a little more kind of Graviton and ARM specific. And if you need help or you have questions, you can also work with your AWS account team or post questions to the EC2 AWS developer forum. There's a bunch of people that monitor that. There may be um, other customers that that might even chime in and help, but certainly ourselves, our service team and our engineering team will uh, get on there and help with responses. So multiple ways to get help, multiple ways to uh, get started and experiment with graviton too.
1: Yeah, that, that Getting Started Guide after um, plus one on that is a great resource and just gets you over some of those things that you may not have thought of or things that other people have, have learned or tips on the way. So definitely, uh, um, much as we don't like to read the documentation before you start things as <laughs> technologists, <laughs> I think reading the Getting Started Guide first is uh, advised in this case, Jeff.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, it, we posted it on GitHub. It's, it's intended to be kind of a developer resource to help with software-related items. You know, that's really one of the differences here. And if there's something that's not included in there, just post an issue to the GitHub saying, hey, what about, you know, this topic? Or, well, I understand that, but I don't get this. And, and that gives us some feedback, too. And and we'll make sure that we uh, monitor that and can add sections to the getting started guys so that, uh, you know, if you've got that question, somebody else is going to, and we want to address that and make it an easy experience for people.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the show and, uh, and elucidating a bit on Graviton too.
0: No worries. Happy to be here and uh,
1: thanks. Appreciate it. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is a place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.